0: All right, welcome back to the Established the Past podcast. I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Dylan Reagan, and we are going to recap a wild Sunday in week three of the NFL. Uh, Dylan, it was a a fun day of games. Uh, you had some, some really good ones, and you also had some that were a bit surprising in terms of maybe uh how not good they were uh for certain teams and uh but that's always the case as we know every single week uh but there was a lot of sort of interesting action but uh, i think the main theme is and something we'll probably talk about when we get to the waiver wire as well uh, later on in the episode is it's a it's a changing of the guard at quarterback Mm -hmm. Uh, we've got a lot of new faces and quite frankly a lot of them did pretty well
1: yeah, the big storyline for sure was all the new quarterbacks. We'll get into each of them as we go down those games. I know last week we talked about Gardner Minshew. Just want to mention him one t- more time. Obviously, a big performance for him against the Titans. We'll see what he's able to do over the course of the year. I don't. I hope you know for Nick Foles' sake, he doesn't get Wally pipped again. But you know, it could happen. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun games, a lot of surprises. But that's you know something in the NFL that you should probably expect you should not it's never a guarantee you know last week a lot of our picks were with favorites and different teams at home and as you know it's really any week something different can happen so a lot of a lot of interesting games that we not necessarily were the most excited for heading into the week
0: yeah, there's no such thing as an upset in the NFL except for maybe uh, the Dolphins this year, yeah. which I had, I had to get my shot in early. We knew it was going to happen eventually, so I uh, just wanted to get in to bring up the Dolphins early. But uh, you mentioned Gardner Minshew, and let's go ahead and just start there real quickly. We, we did talk about this game uh, in our last episode because we, we had to sort of split our recordings and we recorded the, the final part of the episode uh, after the Titans-Jags played last Thursday. Um, we, we talked about a little bit, a uh, 20-7 win for the Jags. You mentioned Gardner Minshew. uh a good performance uh, again and someone who seems to have a pretty good grasp on that offense um for the titans maybe that's what we talk about here we'll have a lot more mm-hmm. opportunities uh, to probably you know talk about the jags as we go into to their game this week and all that but for the titans uh once again you start the season you wait you started with the win against the browns and now you're sitting here, back-to-back division losses, and quite frankly, look terrible uh, on the road against Jacksonville. He only put up seven points, and that was in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's a disappointing start for the Titans because uh, you know we both said, "Hey, this is a team that could, with all those other teams in the AFC South, could be right there with a the chance to win this division." They still could, but they just they have no consistency at all. On defense, I mean, on offense right now. And really, you know, defensively, mm-hmm. they're only going to be able to do so much because they're just not able to find enough on offense to get it done.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to pick it up for sure. Their defense keeps them in games, like you mentioned. But the offense has been – I mean, it, you look at week one and everyone's – you know, they blow out the Browns. And we'll see what – you know, we'll talk about Cleveland, obviously, and still early in the season for them as they get their whole ship righted. But, yeah, for the Titans at this point, it's, it's really difficult to say they're – you know – in the top two of that division maybe even in the top three with how Jacksonville looks with Minshew at least playing competently and then uh, we'll get into the um, other couple of teams The Texans obviously the star power man I, I know I've been kind of hard on Bill O'Brien but it helps a lot to have a superstar quarterback and uh, the things he did we'll get into that but overall that division's looking a lot tougher maybe than I initially thought before the season for Tennessee and if they can't move the ball consistently if the quarterback play remains uh, below average it's it's going to be tough for them to, you know, over the course of the year. A lot of tough games still on the schedule. You, I mean, you have those kind of matchups at home against the Colts and then this one where, you, you know, these are the kind of games you got to win if you're going to win the division. And they just could not get it done.
0: Yep. And pretty much held Leonard Fournette in check, except for one run uh, late in the game. And uh, he winds up with, I think it was 66 yards on the ground, but got the majority Mm -hmm. of that on one run um, after (laughs) having negative yardage pretty much for the entire game Uh, and so yeah you you do good things on defense but you got to find a way to get things going on offense and like we said the Jags do have a good defense but uh, still you've got to be able to to have breakthroughs in these kind of games and these are the kind of games you got to win if you want to win that division but a lot to figure out for the Titans here moving forward Uh, all right and hold on before we get to this game let's talk about real quickly the Jags and I'm going to point out a receiver who is undoubtedly on the waiver wire pickups this week i've been mm-hmm. trying to tell dylan to pick him up week after week <laughs> after week and he has not been sold on him and that's dj chark there's your spoiler we'll talk about him a little later uh but this mm-hmm. guy is clearly emerging as the number one target there uh, we yeah. spent all you know dylan we spent all preseason talking about dd westbrook and all that but dj chark is he's just a beast right now
1: no, he's unbelievable. The plays he makes on the ball, uh, everything he does—it's—it's it's fun to watch. It's a you know every. It feels like every year there's a few of these guys that kind of fly under the radar and don't get uh, aren't really that touted. But then, uh, in our draft we had a d- deeper one, so he was picked late in the draft. But overall, this guy's making you know he's clearly like you said their number one receiver they have some other good options but he's really filled in kind of in a way that yeah they haven't really had since they had Allen robinson a few years back so good to see that chemistry he has with Minshew and could be a pretty lethal combo the rest of the season
0: yep uh, his percentages have gone up ownership wise from a fantasy perspective uh, probably because he's been mentioned in our clutch points waiver wire pickups list for two straight weeks now um but uh yeah he's probably going to be there for a third straight week we'll talk about that a little later on uh all right getting into sunday's action uh, we start with the Bengals and the bills uh this game was one of those that was pretty ugly uh for the majority of the way it was maybe one that we kind of expected though knowing where these two teams are Uh, kind of their strengths, I guess, when you look Mm -hmm. at it. uh, The Bills get the 21-17 win, and here they are, Dylan, your Buffalo Bills (laughs) sitting here at 3-0. I told you they're on the march to 6-0. Now you get a setup with the Patriots this weekend who are dealing with injuries. Don't look now, but the Buffalo Bills are getting closer and closer uh, to being the team to beat. Uh, in that division, obviously, I'm half. I'm, I'm joking. Calm down, Patriots fans. um But uh yeah, I mean, it. You know, it wasn't pretty, but you know what? The Bills are sitting here three and over the first time in a while.
1: Yeah, first time since 2011, I believe they said. So, I mean, anytime you get a win, it's a positive. But Buffalo, for sure, there were some things with the offense that in the first two weeks we didn't see uh with Josh Allen, kind of reverting back, making some poor decisions, just overall trying to force things a bit. Uh, so for the Bengals I mean they easily could have won this game despite being completely shut down on offense for the entire first half and even when they got it going it was off off these turnovers but at the end of the day the Bills still win the game the defense still looks stout and when they really needed to score Josh Allen was able to put together a nice drive Frank Gorg finishing it off with a touchdown to win the game so overall with Buffalo I think yeah uh, (laughs) next week's going to be a big test so we'll see really how far they've come This early in the season but over the course of the year they have as we were talking about before one of the easier schedules remaining you know still 13 games but they've gotten through overall a division that we've talked about a few times the AFC East having easier schedules overall it helps when you have uh, the Jets and Dolphins in your division but overall the other matchups kind of line up well so even if Buffalo's uh, fringe playoff team their schedule lines up for them to be in the conversation at the end of the day and if Josh Allen can kind of clean up some of the turnovers this is a team that probably wouldn't have had to go drive down at the end of the game to win it.
0: Yeah, and like you you said, we mentioned like schedules the rest of the way. The Bills have one of the easier schedules uh, in the NFL. So left to go, and so that that certainly helps. You know, Josh Allen, he's going to have these days where he's not completely accurate, and everybody mm-hmm. likes to jump on it for some reason when that happens. But he's still young. I mean, it's going to happen. We we know even when he has those types of days. He can make plays with his legs, and that's what we're seeing with a lot of these quarterbacks now that we talk up and all that. It's just he has that ability to change a game by breaking off a run here or there. Um, And so, yeah, he he may have those games where his accuracy isn't perfect, but you know what? The Bills are 3-0, and uh, I don't think they care what his accuracy looks like uh, because they they have won every game they played this season and now uh, get ready for a huge matchup uh, in week four against the Patriots. As for the Bengals, um, they kind of are where they are right now. We knew going into the season uh, they were going to be a team that's kind of retooling the roster having to figure some things out and uh, they clearly are, are in an uphill climb now going uh, the rest of the way this season all right next up uh, on the list uh, was one where we had some fun uh, let's just talk about both of these at the same time because uh, this is where we we entered a little humor into our picks uh, for this week and those for the two games asking who's going to win by more the Patriots or the Cowboys in their respective matchups I don't remember exactly which one of us went with which, but I think I picked the Cowboys as, as my lock of the week yeah. just because they were playing the Dolphins, and I said I'm just going to ride everybody until somebody you know doesn't cover the spread against the Dolphins. Uh, the Cowboys did it, not as convincing as we thought it would be, but you know what? Here's the thing, Dylan. I sit there and just said it wasn't as convincing as we thought it would be Yet they won 31-6. to six. So <laughs> it's like you went by 25 points, and that's just like, really, that's it? Um, that kind of tells you where the Dolphins are right now for the Cowboys. Dak, uh, you know, had he didn't have probably his greatest game, but you know what? It didn't really matter. He still found Amari Cooper for two touchdowns. Uh, Zeke had his normal output. Uh, what else do you say here? It was a good, another good performance from the Cowboys. They're three and zero. The Dolphins—they they started off okay, but they—they they just don't have the depth uh, or the playmaking ability right now.
1: Even if Miami had taken the lead in the first half when they had plenty of opportunities, you have Rosen. Uh, it's, it's the same case as last week where he's actually throwing some uh, deep balls pretty accurately and they're just being dropped so you, you go from a drop touchdown to the Kinden and Drake fumble little things here and there where I mean this is why a team that is already bad is even worse than uh, some of the most recent awful teams we've talked about you know in NFL history why why they're a team that we wouldn't be shocked <laughs> if they didn't win a single game mm-hmm. but you saw some fight for them for sure and Dallas was able to make adjustments and kind of cruise in the second half but overall Miami definitely looked you know more into the game at least it looked like you know they they had something to prove some of these guys i mean you know they 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 understand what's happening with that franchise with them rebuilding and uh it can be tough probably week to week you know to put your body on the line knowing it's for a cause it's not Uh, really going to lead anything to anything this year so uh for much much of both these games it really looked like uh, dallas was going to not win by more obviously the the pats were up 30-0 and looked to be cruising and the jets get the backdoor cover with the uh, muff punt and then the stidham pick six so (laughs) the offense for the jets still a huge problem luke falk not the not not going to be the second best 199th overall pick behind brady i don't i don't believe so yeah that that game uh, i don't really know again what we learned from the patriots they're already so great and uh, another easy win for them. So it's going to be interesting to see against Buffalo. That Not probably the biggest test, obviously, they'll face in the whole season, but should be a little more fun. And for Dallas, they get the Saints next week. So definitely, uh, maybe for Dallas too, they might have been looking a little ahead to New Orleans, despite uh, Breeze being out. That's still going to be a big one for them.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and I think when you look at the Patriots and the Cowboys, you look around at pretty much everybody, that's probably the two teams we're looking at right now and saying if everybody had to place their bets right now, on the, the teams that are going to come out of their respective conferences, you're probably picking the Patriots and the Cowboys uh, just based on how they played. Now like we said, that the thing with the Cowboys is their schedule. Uh, it started off so great, and you and I were laughing about that when we, we go back to our predictions episode, uh, and we didn't pick them to make the playoffs, and we're just sitting there afterwards just laughing like, how? why? Why? Look at their schedule. It's just yeah. there, there's so many opportunities there for wins. And, and now when you consider uh, the Giants, who we'll get to in, in a minute – uh, having a significant injury, you look around at the Eagles who are not playing well, the Redskins, um, the division just really opening up for the Cowboys right now, uh, as many thought it would this season. And so you look at that, Amari Cooper, even with Xavier Howard on him. I mean, he still, like I say, gets two touchdowns. Uh, anybody mm-hmm. who thought that he was going to regress this year with you know the dealing with the the foot issue and all that. Not the case. He's been himself, and he continues to make big plays. And then for the Patriots, still in a couple of injury situations, which we don't know the extent of yet. Uh, Julian Edelman left that game with a chest injury. Then you've got Josh mm-hmm. Gordon, who also got injured but came back. Um, James White didn't play, but that was due to the birth of his child, and so you expect him to, to be right back in the mix. But you know, there, there's just I guess with, with that, you know, with Antonio Brown now no longer in the picture. I've seen some people kind of look around and wonder, you know, are there concerns with with this Patriots passing game moving forward, uh, knowing, let's say, Edelman's out for – I mean, again, we're not saying – we have no idea, but let's say, you know, injury-wise, that these are Mm -hmm. him and Josh Gordon. I mean, they're not – you know they're guys who if they're dealing with injuries they could miss a little time you never know um are there any issues any worries for you with this receiving group Mm. i don't have any issues because there's guys behind them which i'm going to mention philip dorsett uh right now just as a a potential waiver wire pickup for this week knowing the injury situation there but i mean they, they just keep plugging in and these guys just keep making plays
1: Every time Dorsett's targeted, it feels like he's catching the ball. And sure <laughs> enough, I think it was over the last 20 targets, it was something like 19 receptions. So yeah. Six of seven ridiculous. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's been on fire. Uh, you know, Jacoby Meyer's a great option. Uh, Rappaport did, uh, a little bit before we came on, uh, did tweet that Edelman should be fine um and looks appears to be good quote unquote for week four against the bills so yeah. avoiding a big injury there so that helps a lot josh gordon obviously came back in the game made a heck of a catch down the sideline near the end of that one so overall uh even with though if those guys had been out for an extended period of time kind of similar to what you know might happen with philadelphia i wouldn't be too worried I, I think their system is built to sustain injuries that's uh no matter what they can do uh with the like guys getting hurt they can really adjust what their offense wants to do If anything, you know, the the offensive line has still been strong, but losing Isaiah Wynn over the long term could be something that gets exploited, but we won't see it. I mean, maybe against Buffalo, it's going to be a defensive front that's going to give them a challenge. We'll see if this offensive line, as I've I've said before in here, I think is the best in the NFL from the Pats. They're going to have some tests coming up at least, but... Uh, still, no, no overall overarching concerns. I think you know their biggest concern is one team, and uh, the reigning MVP leads them. So other than that, I don't really know if the Pats have too many issues, no matter who they have out there on the field.
0: Could have bigger concerns in the running game, which we'll talk about when we get to the waiver wire portion, because uh, there, there's been one player in particular – and I think it maybe hasn't exactly been what what people thought they would, thought that he would be uh, to this mm-hmm. point. When you consider the the types of games they played thus far, where they've been ahead, uh, you probably know what I'm talking about. But we'll save that for later once we get <laughs> into uh, the waiver wire in a bit. Uh, Broncos and Packers. The Packers uh, get a win there. Uh, they're now three and 27 to sixteen. The Broncos move to zero and three i don't know how much of this game you watched or if i've had a chance to see yet i'm sure mm-hmm. we'll both go back and look at this some more uh here this week but from what i did see of this game um i still feel like the packers are three and oh and i'm not knocking the packers at all i mean again it's all about winning we talked about with the bills the bills have had some mm-hmm. ugly wins but you're three and 0 you're three and oh Uh, It still though feels like that there's still some things that they're trying to work out on that offense. Um, You know, you put up 27 points, so you're you're still doing okay against uh, a team, you know, in the Broncos, who's coached by Vic Fangio, Mm -hmm. who certainly has a lot of familiarity with the Packers from his days with the Bears. Um, But but still, it's just like it's been pretty good, I guess, at this point. There there's still some things they're working through, but. It's like once it does just really get clicking Mm -hmm. on all cylinders, uh, then you're looking at the Packers knowing how improved this defense is and you're feeling like they're in a really good spot. Either way, they're in a good spot now anyways because they're 3-0.
1: Yeah, I feel very similar to them as I do the Rams, both a couple of teams that haven't really gotten their offenses fully clicking, but overall their defenses are winning them games, and you stack wins the NFL, it turns out well for you, especially for these good teams. Like you said, when they actually start firing on all cylinders, that's when it's trouble. So for the Packers, uh, definitely still impressed with their defense. I know Joe Flacco threw one really awful interception, but overall in that game, Green Bay's defense had a ton of plays Jair Alexander is an absolute ball hawk whether it be intercepting the ball or liter- quite literally ripping it out of a receiver's hands like he <laughs> did so uh yeah with Green Bay I think they have so much talent in their secondaries I've talked about the pass rush to Darius Smith is a team that uh, past years Packer fans got kind of upset with a lot of uh, third and long situations where they do a three-man rush and get literally zero pressure the last couple of weeks they've done that when Kenny Clark last week busting through for a big play and then this week's a Darius Smith with the sack so uh overall that that added element of the pass source they really haven't had in the last couple of years huge for them as their secondary improves so as much as the Packers offense still uh, you know, stops and starts. Certain certain uh, possessions look much better than others. I think the defense is why this team is so scary for me. Um, it, it, again, very similar to how I feel about the Rams. of so the defense that's playing well, offense still not clicking. But when it does, these could be two of the better teams in the NFL.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll we'll see how uh, things continue to progress there for that offense. But with Aaron Rodgers under center, not too many worries. And there is a wide receiver that he has that is on my radar, a hundred percent. And he's he's kind of on that that line of that fifty percent mm-hmm. ownership. In uh, fantasy leagues, but there is a certain guy that you're going to want to buy all of the stock in uh, with one in particular, and we'll talk about him uh, here in a bit yeah. as well. Uh, speaking of fantasy stock, uh, boy, the Falcons at the Colts, and uh, the Falcons come up short here in this one. The Colts get the win 27-24. Uh, Colts move to 2-1. and one. I mean, you know, two really good wins here back-to-back. They had a chance to win that they could sit here. They could be 3-0 and right now mm-hmm. um, after that opening week against the Chargers. They get back-to-back wins now against the Falcons and the Titans. Um, The Colts are are starting to to really, you know, figure some things out. Jacoby Brissett looked really good in that game against the Falcons, 310 yards, two touchdowns. Um, And Julio Jones, I mean, it's like you just want the Falcons to win games because it's like, look (laughs) at, I mean, how good Julio Jones is. It's just, it's not even fair. I mean, this guy is on another planet when it comes to his talent in his ability, and you just hate to see the situation where it's like the Falcons are now sitting here at one and two. Uh, mm-hmm. They've had, you know, a, they haven't had an easy schedule. Let's point that out, too. At the Vikings, and home against the Eagles, now at the Colts. Uh, not an easy start to the schedule, but now you lose Keanu Neal for the season. Um, we're seeing the injury situation on defense, and that's what we talked about last year. That was the biggest problem for them last year is that you had the injuries – and that's what really stopped them from being as good as they could be. Uh, now they're sitting here at one and two, and it's like, well, you got you to gotta get on track here pretty quickly because you don't want to fall mm-hmm. in a hole uh, and put yourself in a situation where you're having to, to reel off a lot of wins late in the season like they did last year.
1: Yeah, consistency for sure with the offense. Last year, despite you know going seven to nine, they're still one of the more efficient offenses in the NFL. And this year, really, I mean, Matt Ryan's. Only, I think he's only one interception behind his total from last season already. Yeah. It's it's these these turnovers. I mean, we saw how they cost them with the block punt and everything in that Vikings game. But again, here you get behind and then you're constantly just dr- scratching and clawing mm-hmm. to get back. And the Falcons have the star power to do that. But we haven't really seen them play a complete game. Even when they beat the Eagles, there were just moments where just things that make you shake your head uh from this team and uh, yeah the Neal uh, injury but overall their defense still you know uh, they have some talent but the Colts offense man I uh, Jacoby Brissett looks better than just a you know a plug-in backup uh, yeah. but I know mean, we've talked a bit about him but overall especially this game I think he definitely took another step forward for Indianapolis uh, their offensive line still quite stout the defense you know even though they end up still giving up a number of points in that second half, did enough to get the win. And when they needed to get those first downs, they appreciated Frank Reich instead of just running on third and five, third and four, running those play actions, a couple of bootlegs, getting, uh, you know, before their last score. And then uh, when they ran the clock out, getting those conversions without just uh, pounding the ball in there and expecting their defense to get a stop. Uh, I think they have one of the better coaches in the NFL, uh, overall great rosters. So, that a i think for indianapolis the team definitely we have to keep our eye on a little more and for the falcons a lot of concerns at this point schedule i mean they'll face another inconsistent team in the titans next week but after that it's not that easy obviously we know the division they're in uh looking even better you know we'll talk about kyle allen and the panthers and if tampa bays uh can figure out how to not go backwards when they're trying to kick that overall they're you know that division's looking pretty good and the saints aren't going away so yep. it's not going to be easy for the falcons they need to start uh grabbing some wins before it's too late just like last year
0: yeah next five games this is it for the falcons for me i mean this is where you have to to find a way to uh get some big wins and make up some ground they're at home against the titans they're at the texans they're at the cardinals they're at home against the rams and they're at home against the seahawks so really the two toughest teams on that schedule are the rams and the seahawks you get them both in atlanta um and then you know you have three winnable games there against the titans the texans and the cardinals so you've got to to probably find a way in my opinion to to go 4 and 1 maybe in that stretch uh 3 and 2 would certainly at least be helpful um mm-hmm. knowing that that you get a lot of division games on the back end of that schedule so they've got to they've got to get on track here and they they've got to find a way to bounce back next weekend and get a win over the Titans uh because yeah you just you can't afford to put yourself in that situation knowing that you're still you know playing in a division that's pretty tough and uh, you're now sitting at one and two. But for the Colts, a uh, big win, and they're building some momentum here early on in the season. Um, speaking of big wins, it was my game of the week. Uh, we thought it would be one of the better games, and from just a pure watching a game standpoint, it was just it, it's just on another level when you mm-hmm. watch Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson play. Um, and it's funny, you know, we're, we're sitting there, clutch points, we're, we're putting together stories during these games, and it's like every other minute I'm sitting there saying, okay, well, we got another Lamar Jackson highlight. Um, we got another Patrick <laughs> Mahomes highlight. And it's just, I mean, these two guys together in a game, like, I just want to watch the Chiefs and Ravens play every week yeah. for the rest of the season. Um, <laughs> it's just unbelievable what those two guys can do on a football field. And obviously, the Chiefs get the win 33 um, 28, probably. I don't know. I mean, you know, the score a little bit deceiving maybe in that yeah. scenario uh, because the Chiefs once again something about Patrick Mahomes in the second quarter they scored 23 points in the second <laughs> quarter um, after the Ravens got up got up six to nothing um, and and here we are again. I mean, it's just I don't know what else you say about what Patrick Mahomes can do, but on the same token, you know, Lamar Jackson didn't have a perfect day, but it's still. When he's on the field and the things he can do, which Mm -hmm. we saw late in that game when they started to rally a bit, um, it's just you're always going to have a chance. And and that's why I think you look at the Chiefs and the Ravens. We already know about the Chiefs. But for anybody questioning whether the Ravens are for real or not, just because they lose this game doesn't change my opinion at all. When you have Lamar Jackson on the field, um, you're always going to have a chance just because of what he can do. And obviously the same thing goes with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs.
1: Now Jackson has 10 regular season starts under his belt. He's 8-2, and two, both losses in Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, they tried the, you know, the first quarter. They had the long touchdown drive Baltimore to take the lead and kind of looked similar to the beginning of the game last year um, where Baltimore's kind of trying to execute the same game plan, keep the uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense off the field. It did not work very long it, the Chiefs are so good that if their defense just can get a few stops here and there you see what the offense can obviously do it's just so explosive Uh, No, you know, maybe concerns for for some about uh, Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman carrying over their solid fantasy performances from last week. That was not an issue. Both guys uh, looked like they're more than ready for the stage. I mean, that one-handed catch by Demarcus Robinson was ridiculous. A great throw, obviously, from Mahomes, but another play fight from him. And then Hardman demonstrating his elite speed. This team, it's just crazy how many weapons they have. LaShawn McCoy's fit in perfectly, Uh, filling in right now with Damian Williams out, so... Overall for Kansas City, just so much firepower. Baltimore's, uh, we've talked a little bit about their defense, probably taking a step back from last year. Um, as they still kind of adjust to some of the new uh, changes for uh, personnel wise but it doesn't really matter uh, how good of a defense you have right now Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes man it's it's so fun to watch It easily uh, you know yeah like you said we wish we could watch these teams play more often if they could just be in the same division that'd be great um, or you know as long as they keep winning divisions they'll at least play once a year so fun to watch uh, for Baltimore yes they fight back but I do think you know there's a couple miracle type throws from Lamar Jackson that easily could have been tipped away or picked off that without those happening the Chiefs cruise uh, to double-digit win here so overall for Kansas City I, I, I'm excited to see a team really force them to be on the on the gas pedal for an entire game because I my there's no reason this offense can't put up more than 40 points a game if they really were trying to score each time they had the ball
0: yeah from the interesting stats uh point here I you know on the Ravens they had eight receivers that have between two and four receptions. Um, so certainly spreading the wealth around, uh, he was mm-hmm. there. When, when you think about it, of course, Marquise Brown had the most targets at nine, but only had two catches. Uh, I'm not concerned about him. I think his yeah. speed is just –
1: He was getting open. Yeah. The passes just weren't getting there.
0: Exactly. I don't have any concerns about him. He's someone that that's going to be just fine. Uh, and then you look at it from the Chiefs' standpoint, I'm just mesmerized. I mean, there, there was probably throughout the preseason, we all thought – that Darrell Williams was the fourth-string running back on the Chiefs. And, and he comes out and has nine carries for 62 yards. Uh, he caught five passes for 47 yards. And it's like, you know, we, we mentioned Dar- Darwin Thompson thinking he could have – I'll say this, and I think you have to really go back to watch this game to see it, but you, you can see Darwin Thompson. You can see what they're excited about. Like his burst – Bill mm-hmm. like he he has it like i think it's there it's just it's going to take a little time to get acclimated um i think like people have said he's kind of that change of pace type of guy versus a a 30 carry a game type of running back in the nfl but still man i mean he's got it i think and and we'll see if uh he's unleashed there but there's just so many options in this offense Mm -hmm. and and it's just it's not fair um for going forward and so uh good luck to anybody game planning against the chiefs because (laughs) they are not missing a beat uh and remember they're not missing a beat with their best wide receiver out i mean tyreek hill isn't even playing and they are still putting up tons of points Uh, against teams that that are good and that just shows you kind of where the Chiefs are uh, right now so uh, moving on to from teams that are good to teams that are not good and that is the Raiders and they went up against (laughs) uh, the Vikings uh, you know for for the Raiders they got off to that great start beat the Broncos on Monday night we're all feeling really good about things Uh, but they have just uh, they've run into two really good teams the past two weeks and that is uh, certainly the Chiefs and now the Vikings uh, the Vikings get the win there, 34-14. Uh, to 14. Adam Thielen, a huge game. Uh, Kirk Cousins, once again, doesn't even have to throw the ball that much, but uh, efficiency is what matters here, and uh, he mm-hmm. goes 15 of, of 21 for 174 yards. Uh, we saw Adam Thielen. He, he, like I said, he had the one-touching one touchdown on reception but he also ran one in um and then dalvin cook it's just i mean they've got options on offense too and we we mentioned kirk cousins may be the thing uh we're still in wait and see mode on him uh this was just that expected sort of uh, dominant type of win for the vikings that you expect to see from them at home uh, especially against a team like the raiders I don't really know what, what the biggest takeaways are here other than, you know, I, I think the Vikings are, are really good whenever they're at home. And uh, they're really good. I guess Kirk Cousins is still really good against teams that aren't great. Uh, yeah. we're, we're still in wait-and-see mode, I guess, on the Vikings in terms of what their, their potential is as a potential, uh, you know, NFC Super Bowl type of team
1: if that yeah if you let the uh, vikings offensive line beat you you're gonna probably lose each time you play this team they have too many explosive weapons if they're winning at the line of scrimmage on offense Kirk cousins is a much different quarterback than under pressure and dalvin cook i mean even when he's not getting uh, huge holes that uh, he had some runs yesterday that were just absolutely absurd just making guys miss left and right and yeah, the, the burst is still there. He's going to be great all season as he's been over the first three weeks. So for Minnesota's offense, definitely encouraged by that. But at the same time, I think you know the Raiders, after that week one game, they have really stepped back they get, against two tough teams in the Chiefs and Vikings, but haven't really been able to keep either game close. Uh, Minnesota cruising again, so – Kind of similar to how we felt from week one. Obviously, the Falcons have a lot more firepower than the Raiders' offense right now. Uh, Derek Carr, a weird game because he still, you know, completed uh, a lot of his passes. He's 27 for 34, but his QBR from ESPN was under, it was 22.5. So uh, just not the most efficient day. Uh, Minnesota's defense, still very elite. Uh, Shut down the run. That was one thing, you know, when the Raiders' offense is working well, they're doing a lot of play action, working off that running game. And Minnesota's uh, defense, as stout as ever. uh, We'll see what they can do still with Kirk Cousins beating good teams Um, but you still have to beat the bad ones uh to you know by the end of the year have a record that's good enough to make the playoffs in the nfl so getting the job done we'll see what minnesota does next week but uh they can only handle their business at this point when they're facing whoever they are on the field
0: right and and if i have one piece of fantasy advice to offer everyone no matter who the raiders are playing you are playing darren waller every (laughs) single week this guy is far and away the best option for them in the passing game. And he is far far and away the guy that Derek Carr is looking to on every single play almost. It feels like 13 receptions, 134 yards. He had 14 targets. So 13 receptions on 14 targets. This guy is just—I mean, it's a great story as we know dealing with him, and it's it's just—it's awesome to see what he's able to do thus far. And he's clearly the guy they're going to, um, like you said, especially you know when they're getting rushed and all that. I mean, he's their car knows he can trust Darren Waller, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. uh, Knowing that the Raiders are probably going to be playing from behind uh, in a lot of these different scenarios, but yeah, Darren Waller has just uh, been—he's been fantastic, and uh, probably going to continue to be the case. Here moving forward, uh, the Lions and the Eagles. Well, well, well. Uh, that was one that uh, neither one of us expected. As the Lions go in and get a twenty-seven to twenty-four win in Philly, um, undefeated Dylan, Lions. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> the, the Lions sitting here at two zero and one on the season, and um, you know, I, I'll say this: we and, and I'm not just saying this because the Eagles haven't looked great thus far, but the one thing, and I told you this a couple weeks ago. The one thing that I was just a little concerned about with the Eagles in terms of making them a potential Super Bowl contender type of team this year is you know certainly injuries because you looked at it, and it just still feels like talent-wise they, they can be one of the most talented teams in the NFL. I mean, they, they very well could be. But it's like you have these injury situations. Um, mm-hmm. to, to be honest, Carson Wentz hasn't looked great. I mean, he's looked okay. I w- but again, I, you can contribute that t- to injuries as well. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he didn't have his two best receivers out there, um, but still, this is a game you got to win. I mean, it's you know y- yeah. you got to find a way to win this game, um, and that's not to take anything away from the Lions because the Lions made the plays and give Matthew Stafford credit. I mean, he's someone that. You know, we've always looked at as the Lions as a team that's kind of in that that back tier in that division, and you've never really seen them up there with you know the Packers and the Bears and the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, I mean, you know, a win like this, and they've you know they beat the Chargers last week. Now that they beat the Eagles on the road, um, we're seeing what this team's capable of. I mean, even with with Kenny Galladay basically not doing anything, Marvin Jones has six receptions for 101 mm-hmm. yards you know i don't know like the the lions i'm not ready to to say the lions are a playoff team or anything but the lions are are certainly better than we thought to this point uh but for the eagles this is still one that's going to stink
1: yeah for philadelphia you play the lions at home i know we i'll get into them in a sec but you got to win this game uh you know after a tough loss last week I, yeah, with Wentz, I'm not too concerned. Obviously, yeah, the best team shouldn't have to be in these this close of games all the time. But, you know, if last week, Aguilar catches that sideline throw. And then if uh, this last one to the rookie from Stanford, Arcega, a white side, if he, yeah. that ball might have been tipped a tad. But he could have made that catch right inside the five. And there you go. Philadelphia has a chance to win it right at the end. So yeah. when the throws were needed to be made, I thought Wentz was doing them. And for a, a kind of another game like last week for the Lions where a lot of things did go their way that are kind of unusual i mean you have aguilar quite literally dropping the ball after he caught it uh for one of his fum- or for his one fumble miles sanders a couple fumbles the lions are the only team now with the kickoff return for a touchdown uh so they had a lot of these kind of diff- different plays uh that for philadelphia kind of like last week where things were going against them that were hey, making plays but overall the lack of depth um, at this point, because of injuries, I, we, I talked about them as one of the deepest teams in the NFL. But at one point yesterday, they were down to three cornerbacks that were healthy on the roster. Uh, that's not going <laughs> to be easy. That every guy has to stay on the field, basically every single play when they're in nickel. So, uh, you know, for the Lions, I got to give them credit. Um, you know, like you said, I don't know if they're a playoff team. They're, they're that division now. We'll see what the Bears do tonight. That division's shaping up to be quite uh, tough with the yep. Packers and Vikings maybe at the top and then the Bears right here. So, yeah, the Lions, will, yeah, over the course of the year, we'll see what they can do. A uh, tough day for them running the ball. Not, I think they averaged just over three yards a carry. And carry on Johnson, he had a touchdown, but overall was – uh, struggling to get things going for them. So, Philadelphia's pass or uh, run defense has been solid. Their pass defense, uh, as we talked about last week, more of a question mark and something that should be concerning the rest of the way. Um, also, injuries. I mean, you had Dillard filling in for Peters, who was under the weather, and then Dillard gets hurt right away, and Peters is thrown back in there. So, for Philadelphia, it just i mean last year it seemed like they couldn't have suffered possibly more injuries but it's starting to happen again and i don't know if it's a uh, you know something they can control or what i don't know if it's just a fluke but it's it's brutal for philly right now
0: well speaking of brutal here's the problem is that they're sitting here at one and two they play at the packers on thursday night probably mm-hmm. could still be with, they're already they're going to be without deshaun jackson they could be without alshon jeffrey again then they're at home against the jets there that's that, there's you a nice a nice win then you're at the vikings you're at the cowboys you're at the bills you're at home three against, in a row you're yeah three in a <laughs> row then you're at, then you get to come home after that three three game road trip to take on the bears and the patriots and then the seahawks so there is very little margin for error here mm-hmm. knowing that they've started one and two That there is very little margin for error for this eagles team here over this next stretch of games um when you compare it to look their last five games great shape like they're at the Dolphins mm-hmm. they're at home against the Giants at the Redskins at home against the Cowboys at the Giants like that that's a beautiful potential 5-0 and stretch right there but you know yeah this this upcoming stretch is not going to be easy they're gonna have mm-hmm. to find a way to win some of these road games um because it's just yeah like, like it's it's tough and so that they've got to figure some things out here, uh, because they cannot afford to put themselves uh, in a spot where they're just they're having to to make up so many wins towards the end of the year, because that that you know slows down your, your margin of error as well, uh, to where it's just it's very thin. Um, so especially we'll with see.
1: Dallas right now,
0: yeah, with the Cowboys <laughs> looking the way they look, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll see with the Eagles here, but keep an eye on them because. That they've got to figure it out and and like we said i mean they're they're potentially staring at one and three here going into that game against the packers on thursday night um all right next up uh on uh the game list was the panthers and the cardinals both of you you and i uh both felt brave and decided that we uh, had seen enough of the cardinals that we were feeling good about where they were (laughs) and just when you think you know Kyle Allen comes in and produces the second-best passer rating in Panthers history in starting this game in Arizona. He throws for four touchdowns, 19-26, 261 yards, 38-20 win for the Panthers. Um, Kyler Murray did not look great. Um, I think you you certainly contribute some of that to, to the Panthers and what they did defensively um but i mean kyle allen is the story of this game uh, he looked completely confident he knew what he was doing and he is someone that without question people are gonna have their eyes on going into to next week because he is the starter i mean ronda fair has already rolled out mm-hmm. cam newton for their game against the texans so kyle allen's gonna get another shot at this thing um i mean christian mccaffrey had a great game this is a really i thought it's a really good win for the panthers just because yeah. of, of seeing how well kyle allen played
1: you're spot on with your fantasy love uh from last week with greg olson <laughs> with getting a pair of touchdowns and looking great overall but yeah kyle allen man off to a you know last you had the uh, last season that week 17 great outing against the saints but they had nothing to play for so not really a whole lot to you know expect something like this for an undrafted free agent Um, you know really promising coming out of high school had a ton of hype at that point about what he might be able to do in the NFL one day but kind of slowed down and here we see, you know, North Turner's offense. Before the game, Torrey Smith tried to tell us, you know, he tweeted out a couple of predictions, which all pretty much came true for the Sunday slate of games. And he said that Kyle Allen was going to allow us to see North Turner's vertical element of the offense. And sure enough, uh, Kyle Allen had no problem, uh, you know, just immediately stepped in. And this team that wasn't able to throw the ball down the field with the injuries of Cam Newton suddenly is throwing, you know, 20, 20 plus air yard passes uh, every single drive, it felt like. Obviously, they get the one long run from McCaffrey, but overall, the story is Kyle Allen as you mentioned I mean this he was uh, couldn't make a mistake he almost had a perfect passer rating I uh, was, you know, sharing the targets across everyone, even even though DJ Moore just had the one uh, catch. I mean, you see how explosive he can be in the open field. Curtis Samuel looking like a g- guy that he's going to look for on a lot of third down situations. And overall for the Panthers, uh, you know, after last week, uh, how disappointing that game was. As we talk about, it. it's a week to week league, the NFL, and a lot more optimism now. We'll see. I mean, I expect when Cam's healthy, he'll get the starting job back. But it's it won't be an easy decision if Kyle Allen keeps playing like this.
0: Yeah, and Rivera did say there's no. No timetable for Cam's return, so that that makes you think this isn't a Cam's coming back next week thing. This is, uh you know, who knows at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but but certainly they feel confident, and and you have to feel confident. I mean, their next games against the Texans, who we'll talk about here in a minute, but you know, I mean, they're 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 getting a pretty fine looking schedule for for Kyle Allen in terms of from a passing perspective um and it it seems to set up nicely but uh, yeah greg olson that's a good call on him and thanks a lot greg because uh i appreciate you and all the winnings uh on kings because you were a lock for me uh looking at how bad the cardinals have been against tight ends and i had mentioned that yeah. last week you know hawkinson and, and mark andrews both had big games against them Greg Olson comes through, shows that he's battled through injuries, man, but Greg Olson is that rock-solid guy uh, that is just, he's your warrior, and and that guy's always going to be somebody uh, you can rely on, already seeming like a pretty popular target there for Kyle Allen. All right, we move from one standout performance at the quarterback position uh, for a new guy, to another one and uh this guy's performance probably overshadowing what kyle allen did and that is of course the daniel jones era in new york gets started in just uh the the best way possible for the most part but there was one aspect of it that certainly takes things down a notch dylan for the 32 31 victory for the giants over the bucks they rally from an 18 point deficit um let's get the bad out of the way first Saquon Barkley and for fantasy owners like myself who have Saquon Barkley on their team in certain leagues it is looking like probably at, probably close to that eight week time frame Dylan and I'm mm-hmm. I, you know I'm no doctor but you saw Adam Schefter's tweet said four to eight weeks with a high ankle sprain seems like it's going to be longer than that possibly um you know that that takes a lot out of this Giants offense but then again it pretty much puts the Giants in a situation where they're going to just air the thing out I mean they're going to have to mm-hmm. um, knowing that that Daniel Jones has played as well as he did in this game against the Bucks. he had two passing touchdowns two rushing touchdowns um, he's got weapons they're going to get golden tape back Evan Ingram's playing well Sterling Shepard they developed a chemistry wider right way I mean, he's got weapons in the passing game. Here's yeah. here's what I want to see, Dylan. Let's just let the Giants throw the ball 60 times a game, <laughs> and let's just have some fun, because you know that that this is not going to be a great team. Their defense is not good enough. Like, it's just a yeah. bad defense. Let's just sling the ball around 60 times a game. I'm all for it. Let's let's go air raid. That will make me want to watch the Giants every single game, uh, because Daniel Jones, it was against the Bucs, but, man, he looked pretty good.
1: Yeah, he's going to have a, a test coming up pretty soon in a couple of weeks against the pa- Patriots, and I think they get the Vikings soon as well. So it's not going to be much easier after they face the Redskins. But right, if you're a Giants fan, you're, you're feeling pretty good about this. I mean, how could you not? It was not? It wasn't just, you know, it's Tampa Bay like you said, but – Daniel Jones that we were talking before, he he under pressure, 47% of his dropbacks, third highest in week three, and yet he still completed 80% of those passes for 233 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and a perfect passer rating. I mean, that's the kind of stuff when you have a weak offense line you want to see. Very uh, contradictory to what we saw with uh, Baker last night with the Browns. We'll get to that. But overall for the Giants, how can you not be, I mean, yes, you lose Saquon and that's going to, you know, would have been fun to see the offense with a passing and running game between those two. Uh, kind of the future of the Giants organization right there. But uh, at least, like you said, yeah. Fantasy wise, Daniel Jones, I, I'm, I'm imagine he'll be. We'll get to him a little bit later in this episode because they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Their defense looks awful. They still should have lost this game if uh, the the Bucks didn't feel like they had to move the ball back, as Bruce Arian said after he felt like uh, Matt Gay was a better kicker further back, which is quite literally not true for any kicker, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and he, of course, he barely misses the kick too. Uh, you know, maybe if it was seven yards in he, at that point, you know whatever but even that doesn't take away from what daniel jones did uh his poise with under pressure what what he's able to see the field i mean it wasn't just you know obviously the the running ability we saw plays that with eli he just does not have the mobility to get out of the pocket and make the moves that daniel jones does but also some of the pinpoint passes and different things where he identified even double coverage on a deep post later in the game and then obviously the touchdown the shepherd was a beautiful throw so overall uh making the giants uh look Quite smart, making all of NFL Twitter look pretty stupid for some of the reactions we all had uh, back when the Giants took him sixth overall in, uh, in uh, April.
0: Yeah, you know the Daniel Jones hype was in full effect because we did not mention Mike Evans, who had eight receptions for a <laughs> hundred and ninety yards and three touchdowns. Um, yeah. We, we you know we mentioned teams just suffering brutal losses. I mean, it's, the Bucks just seems like one of those teams that have had some of these in recent years, and it's just you know you just wonder. I mean, this man. They have had some brutal losses, and this is certainly one of those uh, you add to the mix. But yeah, I mean, Jameis and Mike Evans had quite the connection. Um, just an outstanding performance from, from those two, but it all is for nothing as they lose uh, by a point to uh, the Daniel Jones-ran Giants. Uh, but, you know, it's probably a good segue, Dylan. We go from teams that have suffered brutal losses. Um, here we are again with the Chargers because, you know, they lose 27-20 to 20 at home against the Texans. Uh, a week after they go and only scored 10 points against the Lions. Um, the Chargers, I mean, they – you know the Melvin Gordon thing certainly changed our outlook a little bit of the Chargers, probably. Um, mm-hmm. But but still, you know, I mean, really, you think about it, you know, they make a play to win that game against the Colts in Week One. We we mentioned that earlier. The Chargers have like they're they're so close to being three and zero, but similarly they're also so close to being zero and three, and so it's yeah. who are the Chargers? I, I don't think we know right now. Um, but for the Texans, what we do know is that Deshaun Watson is a magician. And before we we get into that, obviously Keenan Allen, a huge receiving game. We mentioned Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, who by the way was was another one of my complete locks. Uh mm-hmm. last week from a fantasy perspective, I said play him, play him, play him in every format, we uh season long DFS, he's gonna have a huge game. He did thirteen receptions, one hundred and eighty three yards, two touchdowns, just knowing how bad that Texans secondary was. But again, it didn't matter because the Texans mm-hmm. found a way to win the game and you're if you're the Chargers, you're sitting here scratching your head because you're like, How are we one and two? But here they are
1: no matter who the opponent is these two teams always seem to play close games so we figured it was going to be something like this but has to be disappointing for the Chargers they got some pressure at certain times in Deshaun Watson it just did not matter he was firing on all cylinders he was clicking with everything in the passing game and then the, the few times they didn't get pressure you see what Deshaun Watson could be with a, a really yeah. competent offensive line he anytime he had time to throw he was tearing the Chargers secondary apart yeah we know that Obviously, derwin has been out all year, and then Adrian Phillips going down, so a lot of injuries on the back half of that defense. But there were times too where you saw guys—the uh, one—the one touchdown, the Fells, where he kind of uh, broke outside of the pocket, made a play um, on a shorter pass, where he ended up running the whole field for a touchdown. There were guys, if you're watching on the Chargers, that just weren't even running back. Even, I don't know if they just couldn't believe what they were seeing or what, but that that kind of effort is disappointing for sure, especially in a, a game like this where you're at home. You gotta, you know, for the Chargers, not not an easy division they're in. Um, with the Chiefs obviously so got to win these games uh, by the end of the year these are what can really separate the teams and miss the playoffs and make them uh, the AFC is not necessarily the NFC in terms of its depth but def- definitely disappointing for Los Angeles as you said they could easily be 3-0 or 0-3 uh, t- it's trending towards the 0-3 uh, points so, and I mean next week they get the Dolphins so we're not going to learn much then but uh, still a lot of question marks for this team you see the passing game uh, flourishing again for, Saint, for Los Angeles but uh, and their you know the run defense was great the Texans continue to really struggle on the ground but it doesn't matter if Deshaun Watson uh, you know sometimes in the football we you know we talk about individuals maybe too much uh, you know it's a you know obviously a very big team game <laughs> compared to a lot of sports a lot of moving factors but uh, you can't really deny that Deshaun Watson's ability to just take over and kind of if, if he's really on top of his game he's really hard to beat no matter how good you are
0: How about uh, your boy Bill O'Brien? Uh, get creative! All three passing touchdowns to tight ends. Look at that! A lot of people didn't even know the Texans had tight ends, but look at that! All all three TDs go to Aaron uh, Fells. You mentioned got one. Jordan Akins gets two. So
1: Akins, yeah. There
0: you go. So they're uh they're starting to incorporate tight ends. So they're starting to branch out a bit uh, there in Houston. <laughs> Uh, all right, Dylan, so we go from both of us getting four in a row incorrect to finally getting one right here <laughs> as uh, the San Francisco 49ers, who tried to make it five in a row for us. Um, yeah. and, well, honestly, it could be six in a row if we talk about the next game. But uh, we managed to get one right here, and uh, the Niners get the win. Um, it wasn't the prettiest game, that is for sure, as uh, both teams struggled to uh, look great on offense. Uh, but... Hey, the Niners are sitting here at three and zero. The Steelers are zero and three. Which here is the common theme of this week. Um, we did not expect this at all. Certainly, we knew that things were changing for the Steelers when Roethlisberger's injury. Uh, but here, mm-hmm. the Niners are at three and zero, and and you know, you, you know, probably you look around at those people like to power rank, you know, the the three and zero teams and all that. Um, the Niners probably aren't at the top of that list, but uh mm-hmm. th- they are 3-0 and Jimmy G didn't look perfect in this one, had two interceptions. Um they had a lot of turnovers, but I mean, again, a win's a win, and uh yeah. the Steelers got the I mean excuse me, the 49ers got the win. Uh the Steelers struggled. Mason Rudolph, his numbers kinda are what they were, but uh, they just didn't get enough offensively aside from that one seventy-six yard. A touchdown to Juju they just didn't get a lot mm. on offense and uh that that hurt them here in this game
1: yeah their inability to run the ball is a big thing and I think that says a lot about how much the 49ers defense has improved with their defensive line but I've, I've been impressed with their secondary too and they're going yes it's Mason Rudolph you know, Steelers we've talked about their lack of weapons but the 49ers still did a great job on defense uh, in this game you yeah, have five turnovers for San Francisco but on those five turnovers they only gave up six points off them so uh, absolutely you know not a lot of games are going to turn the ball over that much and win uh, we already saw the Bills do it in week one so apparently you know five turnovers is the magic number you might end up finding a way to take <laughs> it down so but no for the 49ers I think that I mean that says a lot about a defense too you know when you're put back on the field you know from turnovers it can be a little deflating but to come out there and really get the ball back and make big stops you know, the Steelers weren't able to really capitalize on that they got the offense going a bit late but overall, you know, if they're not going to be able to run the ball with James Conner that well, it's going to be rough for Rudolph. I mean, we have all these other standout young quarterbacks that we've been talking about, but they, and they have a good offensive line. They should at least, and four names are able to get pressure. And uh, overall, they keep stacking wins despite not looking, you know, necessarily pretty every game. Obviously, last week in Cincinnati was different. But overall for the Niners, uh, very promising. If they have a defense, Kyle Shanahan's going to figure it out on offense. I think they could be in the conversation for sure, not just for a uh, wildcard spot, but the Rams. You know, if if they can't figure out all their issues on on offense, uh, another team that could contend with them for sure in that division.
0: Yep, this isn't the college football playoff or the NCAA tournament. You don't you don't get extra bonuses for for style points. Uh, wins are wins, and uh, your record's good enough to get you in. So three and zero is a lot better than being zero and three. Uh, and <laughs> the Niners sitting here now in a pretty good spot uh, heading into. Week four, um, really uh, an interesting game here, and uh, yeah. this was one where we we really thought that you know the, the Seahawks were in a great spot with Drew Brees, you know injured Teddy Bridgewater steps in, uh, this was going to be the spot for the Seahawks, but wrong again. We are here on the Establish the Past podcast um as we we missed this one too 33 to 27 the saints go on the road and get a win um russell wilson throws the ball 50 times because they had to certainly play from behind he throws for 406 yards two touchdowns he was the the highest fantasy score uh, you know looking at what he did just from from that standpoint yeah. um i don't want to i don't want to pat myself on the back again here dylan but i had tyler lockett as a fantasy must play had him in all the lineups he had a huge game um, mm-hmm. 11 receptions, 154 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, this is one that the Seahawks are going to want back, I think. But on the same token, the Saints, who everybody just gave up on them, you know, just because they didn't look great against the Rams after Breeze went out, um, they, they seem like they're going to be okay. And, and I think it's also clear that Alvin Kamara mm-hmm. is going to completely have, you know, get every single touch that he can possibly get. <laughs> uh the rest of the way that the saints are going to use him a lot here moving forward
1: yeah uh, this is the alvin Kamara game for sure it's the highest percentage of snaps he's had in his career close to 90 percent gets 25 touches between the carries and receptions obviously his uh, ability to slide by uh, would-be tacklers is something that's you know everyone knows about but it's it's still awesome to see on a weekly display and, yeah, for the Saints, uh, you know, for uh, on the, their end, one of the teams with an injured quarterback, you know, Breeze isn't going to be out the whole season, but they do have the infrastructure in place. We kind of did mention, even as we picked Seattle to win this one, to uh, kind of persevere over this next uh, stretch. And a huge win to get this one because their schedule is still, you know, got some tough games coming up, obviously, against Dallas next week. They did benefit, obviously, a lot from the punt return touchdown and the fumble touchdown. I mean, you get two scores like that, it's going to make a huge difference. That can really flip a game. Uh, but still, I mean, by the end of the game, the final score, 33 to 27 Saints. But, the, you know, the Seattle scores two of those touchdowns in the final couple of minutes, one on the last play after for an untimed down. So kind of deceiving in how the overall game went. The Saints defense at that point was not really, you know, pressing the the accelerator. They're letting the Seahawks kind of take what they're going to give them and run, help the clock run out. So for the New Orleans, definitely encouraging. For Seattle, you have to be disappointed. I mean, you're, you, you get a gift with Drew Brees out for this game. And instead of capitalizing, you end up falling behind early. And it really, you know, until later, didn't really get the game going. Uh, obviously, Chris Carson, an, another week with mm. fumbles is yeah. a huge concern for him. Fantasy owners like myself in another league, you know, that's going to be something I'll be monitoring. But overall for Seattle, you know, they we see uh, what they almost, you know, week one almost lose to the Bengals. They haven't really been the prettiest team. They barely beat the Steelers. So uh maybe some of the concerns we had in the preseason i don't know you know maybe they just need to really as we keep saying let russell wilson uh off the leash and let him kind of just do his thing because as we saw when they're down by a ton of points you can put up huge points so why not just open it up and let it be the russell wilson show at this point because otherwise uh i don't know i th- i think they're still holding them back a bit early in these games and it ends up costing them by either falling behind later being in closer games than they absolutely have to be
0: yeah, and, and DK Metcalf didn't have a huge game. We mentioned Tyler Lockett and just what a big game he had. But, but still, I mean, he only had two catches for 67 yards, but he had that 54 yard play. And. I think mm-hmm. DK Metcalf. You mean? I mean, let let him throw the ball. I mean, he's got you know, Tyre it, Lock. It's good. DK Metcalf is clearly already showing that that he's good. I mean, Will Disley is a reliable yeah. option uh for them. You know, in the red zone. I, I mean, throw the ball.
1: So many weapons.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's like throw the ball. Everybody wants to, to talk about this, but you know, Chris Carson, this fumbling situation you mentioned, and you know, even CJ Procyse got carries in this game because Rashad Penny didn't play, but. I mean, yeah, like throw the ball. It's clearly giving you uh, good opportunities. So I don't know why they do it more, Uh, but they're they're still okay at two and one. But both of these teams Mm -hmm. uh, feel feel pretty good. I mean, it's not what you wanted from the Seahawks, but yeah you got to feel pretty good if you're both of these teams uh, here moving forward trying to fight for a playoff spot. Speaking of fighting for playoff spots, um, the Cleveland Browns, back home, prime time. You had the Major League intro by NBC that was perfect. You had Bob Buecher on there. That was awesome. Uh, Bravo to whoever came up with that. Um, But unfortunately, that was one of the, the few positives, I think, for the Browns on the night because the rams get the win a hard-fought win it was a close game we figured it would be but it i think the browns fans are frustrated and i I will say this and you've said it too the rams defense is really good and and they're going to make teams look bad a lot like it just happens that they're good on defense they're, they have the offensive weapons. We saw what Cooper Cup can do. We know what Brandon Cooks can do. Robert Woods, they just they have so many options they can turn to in that passing game on offense. The Browns, their entire starting secondaries out, uh, their backs were a little bit against the wall knowing that they were playing a team like the Rams. But I think it's just some of the, the decision-making, some of the play calling late in mm-hmm. that game. Um, you had a lot of people, myself included, wondering. I, I know the Rams' coverage was good. But why are we not throwing the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. at least once on that drive yeah. at the end, um, where you have all these opportunities, you know, in a goal situation? Why are we not at least attempting to throw the ball to him at any point? And yes, double coverage. And you said it. We well, we'll both have to go back and watch this game some uh, to really find out more about what happened here. But I can understand Browns fans being frustrated. Uh, because it's like you want to take that next step. You want to be able to live up to that hype. Yes, you have mm-hmm. to remember you're playing a team that got to the Super Bowl last year, but still, you, you saw the potential with the Browns, and it's almost like it's not really the, the talent that, that's not there. It's just almost like some of the the decision-making is sort of what's holding them back at certain points.
1: Decision-making for sure has to be infuriating. Baker, I mean, we've talked about how bad this offensive line is, and you know the Rams have one of the better fronts. Um, in the NFL wrestling the passer but man I mean Baker you know for a guy that was for three straight years the number one QB in college football um, under pressure last year was more middle of the pack in the NFL as a rookie and now this year he's 34th out of 37 qualifying QBs against pressure not good news I mean that you saw. Obviously, everyone sees the screenshot on that last fourth down play where he had this, yep. the seas open and he could have stepped up in the pocket and ran for a touchdown, likely. But and he immediately rolls out instead. He kept rolling to his right, and that's that's more of a thing over the progression of a game, though. With the Rams' constant pressure over over time, the quarterback's gonna it's gonna get into his brain a little bit. But yeah, overall, yes, the Rams defense holding them through, but Goff, you know, made a couple big mistakes and the Browns just could not capitalize. Infuriating on the play calls, I mean, the fourth and nine draw gets a lot of, I mean, very obvious opposition. But there, there was another play, you know, they had the third and, uh, it's third and real long, I think third and 10 uh, late in the, um, with like four and a half minutes left and the Browns were kind of backed up. And they had guys running these streaks down the field, you know, they only need 10 yards and Baker has no time, as they know the entire <laughs> game with that offensive line. And these guys are no – one's, no one's trying to have any short look for him. So he has no chance to throw the ball until the Rams are already uh, – Clay Matthews got that sack. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. It's, those, those are the kind of things. And obviously, you know, they're having a lot of success running up the middle and uh, gashing the Rams at certain points with the run game. And then you get to first and goal at the four-yard line with three timeouts. And you don't run the ball once. I, I – it's it's baffling, and uh, Freddie Kitchen's already said he's not going to give up play-calling duties today, so mm. there you go. You're going to have to deal with it longer, but overall, yeah, if, if the Browns are going to take the step that we think they can, Baker's going to have to be much better under pressure because their offensive line isn't going to just magically fix itself unless they want to make a deal that the uh, Redskins can't refuse for Trent Williams. I think that's something they should absolutely look into, especially a left tackle. I mean, Oh man for Baker <laughs> uh, oh he's going to watch that you know that one play where he's and he's going to see that opening there but there were other times too where the pressure really impacted him i think it was the third down throw to the tight end that ended up bouncing off the um after he got tipped, got bounced off the crossbar. He had Jarvis Landry wide open over the middle of the field, and he was jumping around, if you watch the replay, with his hands over his head uh, in disbelief that he didn't get the ball. And it's just Baker's not seeing everything uh, with this offensive line. It's going to be a, it's still you know, one of the most talked about problems, but it's, there's no way to overstate it. If they face teams with good defensive fronts like the Rams and obviously the Pats and so many teams in the NFL – it's going to be rough and their schedule overall (laughs) over the next 13 games we as we talked about before the podcast it's uh the second easiest but that comes after a stretch coming up that's not easy at all um they they have the opposite of some of these teams that have uh you know easier back ends that theirs gets much easier but the next four games i mean they play the ravens on the road the niners on the road and then the seahawks and the patriots so those four it would not be hard to see them you know win just one of those games if you know uh, one in six is definitely possible but uh, two and five if, if they can manage to at least win a couple of those games I think it's a huge win because the schedule does ease up but they're gonna have to adjust quickly they, they didn't get a softer schedule at the beginning to kind of work on their uh, offense and kind of get tinkering early they, they had to get going immediately and it, yes, it's still September. You know, we're just getting into the autumn games, really. But uh, for the Browns, a lot of concerning things. You, yeah, you do stick with a team that uh, you know made the Super Bowl, like you said last year. So that could be promising. But the Rams have plenty of their own issues in figuring out their offense. So it's it's not a game that either team really feels that great about. Um, but at least for the Rams, they you know another win, and they're still undefeated.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't have to feel great about it if you're three and zero. But if you don't feel great about it, you're one and two. There's some things you got to figure out and that is certainly the case for the browns now like you said now staring down um, a matchup at the ravens uh, on sunday and so things do not get any easier there and we'll see if the play calling the decision making is much better because it's going to have to be uh, if the browns want to make the playoffs this season all right that wraps up uh, the sunday action uh, we won't really get into the bears and the redskins because we discussed that one um, I think a bit on our last podcast, but mm-hmm. uh, we both uh, are taking the Bears in that game. I don't, I don't anticipate that one being very pretty, Dylan. And, uh, no. I think we're, we both are in agreement on that. Um, it's probably not going to be pretty, So, uh, especially from a fantasy perspective. If you're someone relying on anyone in these two games from a fantasy perspective, uh, maybe in the exception of the Bears' defense, uh, you've, you may be in trouble. Uh, let's just say that. Uh, all right, we'll wrap up with uh, the usual waiver wire additions for the week and uh, you know put together my list for this week and I will say usually it seems like the for the first couple of weeks there's been one guy that's really stood out as you have to get that guy like he is the mm-hmm. guy to get this week I don't really know if that's the case uh, this week because there, there's a lot of interesting options for me and uh, rather than run through them maybe by importance we'll just kind of group them by position uh, because uh, it is a lot of these guys are pretty similar if we start at quarterback which the two guys we've mentioned Daniel Jones and Kyle Allen are going to be the ones that a lot of people are looking at uh, just based on their performances from this last week now how do we compare the two well here's how you compare them for for me Daniel Jones looked better probably I think all things considered Daniel Jones may have looked like the guy that has the, the highest upside however from a scheduling perspective I think mean, Kyle Allen has a much better road here to to maybe put up points. Although, Dylan, I'll say this, and you mentioned it earlier, the Giants are going to be in situations where they have to throw the ball a lot because mm-hmm. they're going to be playing from behind in a lot of these games. Knowing how tough their schedule is. And with Saquon Barkley out, that does give Daniel Jones more opportunities to throw the ball. And once he gets golden Tate back, that adds another weapon. So maybe you look at it that way and you feel like Daniel Jones is the better option. Either way, I think you can look at both of these guys and feel pretty good. Uh, Although, you know, not knowing Cam's situation, you feel like Daniel Jones maybe has the the more starter potential for the entire season, whereas if Cam comes back, Kyle Allen's probably going to hit the bench. So All right, here's what Daniel Jones has. Here's the next 10 games for the Giants. Versus the Redskins, versus the Vikings, at the Patriots, at home against the Cardinals, at the Lions, versus the Cowboys, at the Jets, at the Bears, versus the Packers, at the Eagles. So aside probably from the Cardinals and the Jets, like, that's not easy. Like, there's a lot of... There's a lot of multiple turnover games in there for for me. Uh, That doesn't mean you stay away from Daniel Jones, though. Uh, You know, like we said, with all these quarterbacks that people were drafting this year, you go on down the line because of injuries, uh, I don't think it hurts to consider either one of these guys just because they did look really good, although it was against bad defenses. um, You still have to consider picking these guys up because they clearly seem to have uh, some pretty high upside here.
1: Yeah, these two Minshew, I, I guess potentially as yeah. well. See what he does over the, you know, he's you know guaranteed to kind of be their starter, the same way we assume Daniel Jones is for the rest of the way. Tough schedule, like you said, for the, uh, Daniel Jones and the Giants uh, next week against the Redskins could see another big week from him and hype train could keep going up. But yeah, I, overall, still, you know, both guys demonstrated so much poise and just making throws that you just don't expect from guys in their real, you know, Kyle Allen, obviously, that game last year. But, again, really their first action for both these guys where they're the full starter in a game where, you know, a team like the Saints last year aren't just taking it off with the one seed locked up. A lot different. Uh, and, yeah, very impressed by both. I, fantasy-wise, as you mentioned, maybe Kyle Allen's schedule is a little bit better. But, again, if Cam's back in there, nope. uh, then he's, you know, it's unlikely he's going to – I have a hard time. No matter how well Kyle Allen plays, with what Cam's done for that organization and everything going into it, I think you'd have to come back and play yeah. uh, pretty badly for Kyle Allen to be the full-time starter the rest of the season. That injury, though, could linger a while. Mm-hmm. So in the, in that case, you know, it really depends on what you need. If you need a guy for a quick game, I, I think maybe Kyle Allen's a better option. But Daniel Jones, for the course of the year, as you mentioned, uh unlikely very hard to see eli taking that job back after just even one game even against a bad defense i'm still curious to see what daniel jones can do the rest of the way and Hey, for the giants you know overall too I mean, this is you have to feel pretty good about your chances after so many people have mocked the giants for all the quarterbacks they've passed in the last couple
0: drafts yeah for sure kyle allen like we said gets the texans uh, and remember what uh, keenan allen did to the texans and um, secondary is brutal yeah it's not good and so maybe that's a better option but like they're they both could be options for you if you're especially if you're in a two quarterback league or something like that it's a no-brainer uh to add these mm-hmm. two guys uh, knowing that they have good matchups coming up in week four all right running backs um the obvious one people are going to look at is is Wayne Gallman and I, I don't think they, let's let's be realistic here let's not just act like we're going to pick up him and, and we're going to get Saquon Barkley-esque numbers it's not going to happen <laughs> um so please understand that that he is not going to get anywhere near the opportunities that Saquon Barkley got and you know what he's played well sometimes Dylan I'm not he's not a bad player yeah. But let's just remember that they are going to turn their attention to Daniel Jones, and they're probably going to use Daniel Jones in some running situations uh, in that. and that, and you know, he'll be able to, to create those types of situations himself uh, depending on certain reads. So he's certainly someone people are going to look at. Let's say Barkley winds up being out at least that eight weeks. Um, I mean, he's going to get the carries. He's, he's going to have to run the ball. Uh, so certainly, volume-wise, he's going to have more volume. Um, two guys in particular, and we, we say this, Good offenses. Target guys in good offenses. Rex Burkhead with the Patriots. Darrell Williams with the Chiefs. We don't know the extent uh, of the injury situation still with Damian Williams for the Chiefs. LaShawn McCoy, he's been... You know, he played through the injury, but, you know, for the long haul, how does that affect him? And so i think you got to have darrell williams period because yeah. clearly he's going to be that guy rather than darwin thompson um and maybe that changes but it's clear darrell williams with what he showed against the ravens he's going to get opportunities if damian williams is still out um and again i mean even if damian williams comes back you could have lashaun mccoy it doesn't hurt if you've got room adding darrell williams on that offense no brainer to me uh rex you know rex rex burkhead too dylan i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was laughing last week about how i picked him up and dropped darwin thompson looking at it now i mean sony michelle i was teasing that earlier he's not done much at all like you know Mm -hmm. in games where the patriots have been up he hasn't really done anything in two of these three games and so rex burkhead is still getting touches he's getting you know he's getting a lot in this offense and so i don't think he's a bad ad at all at this point yeah both
1: guys promising for sure similar situations where you have teams that have these kind of crowded running back rooms and each week it seems like one guy shines above another so harder to depend maybe on them week to week but compared to yeah we're talking about gallman he's going to get the the volume, but I think the thing that makes Saquon so special is that he's able to overcome that offensive line and his ability to elude defenders. Yeah. I don't know if you know, that—that's something that really adds a, a huge element to what Saquon does. And you're not going to really probably have—I mean, no, no disrespect to Wayne Gallman, but not many guys in the NFL can do what Saquon does. So that's going to be rough. And as we mentioned, they'll probably be down a lot, so they're going to be throwing the ball more. It makes Burkhead and Williams better options. Definitely Williams, uh, in particular. I think if I, I mean Rex had a huge week, but we'll see what happens. when James White gets worked back in. Yeah, with Sony Michelle still question marks there, but with Darrell Williams, I think he is what we thought. You know Darwin Thompson would be. He's kind of filled into that exact spot, um, and the usage rate and all that stuff that we thought was going to be there for uh, Darwin. So uh, a great week for him. And you know Lashawn also had injuries kind of leading up to the game. Wasn't uh, guaranteed to play till a couple of days before. So uh definitely think he's uh, you know a great option and overall yeah for especially running back depth these guys i think darrell williams only 2.5 percentage of leagues is he owned in so i'm assuming he's probably open in your league if you're listening to this
0: yeah for (laughs) sure and and i don't keep i don't like to to keep harping on sony michelle here because i think he's a great player but let's consider this to take out that dolphins game in week two which i think we're all looking at dolphins games and just pointing those out as just anomalies Mm -hmm. Sonny Michelle has twenty four carries for twenty five yards, like against the Steelers and the Jets. So, yeah, like consider that from a fantasy perspective. I mean, that's he's got eighteen total fantasy points on the year through three games, where the Patriots have convincingly won three games. And so, I don't know, like that's concerning to me from a fantasy perspective mm-hmm. because you would think he's getting the work and he's getting a ton of yardage and all that, and it just hasn't happened. So, uh, yeah, that's why I think Rex Burkhead is. Is a possible guy to pick up. He could get more involved here. Uh, in this offense even it is even if it is a a crowded offense he still could get a lot more involvement um all right let's go through some of these uh, receivers here dylan i'll just throw these names at you you tell me who you like the most i know you don't like dj chark who we talked about earlier no Uh, (laughs) um all right so dj chark he's certainly on the list he's only 41.1 percent owned Um, people have started to pick him up but like we said he's the clear number one option now in that offense nelson aguilar he's still only 37.7 percent owned on a short week Knowing Deshaun Jackson is out, Alshon Jeffrey could still be out. I think Aguilar, even with the drops, look, the guy's going to get targeted. He's going to have points. Um, The problem is how many points are the Eagles going to score against the Packers? Not really sure, but I think you still got to pick Mm -hmm. him up for the volume because we saw that uh, this week against the Lions. Um, Who else have I got on the list here? Philip Dorsett, who we kind of teased a little earlier. Um, I mean, Philip Dorsett, not knowing the injury situation, Josh Gordon, and we mentioned Julian Edelman, seems okay, probably going to play. I don't think it hurts to to have Philip Dorsett in case you just need, you know, somebody on your bench as a potential spot Mm -hmm. play, knowing that the Patriots will – maybe eventually find themselves in a shootout with someone, um, and, and you get him on the field now, and Antonio Brown's not there. Another sneaky one, Deontay Johnson for the Steelers. Um, this mm-hmm. is probably one of those. He's only 0. .7% owned. Uh, but they, they benched Dante Jeez. Moncrief. He's done. I mean, like, they're they're not going to mm-hmm. turn to him. And so – I mean, Deontay Johnson, he had a touchdown against the Niners. So clearly he could potentially be the number two receiver there. Um, So he's another option. And then Marquez Valdez Scantling, he's 49.9% owned. So we're using the 50%. Yep, 50% is what we go with. So I had to include him uh, because he's a player, man. He is really good. And I think he's the clear number two there. Uh, As this offense gets better, I think he's going to get even more involved. Uh, So there's a lot of good wide receiver targets uh, for me this week.
1: Yeah, a lot of dependable guys out there for sure, like you just mentioned. I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling, if you're in that – 50.1 percent of leagues (laughs) that don't have him absolutely I think he just with what the Packers offense is starting to do and his role in it I think you know another big week for him fantasy wise keeps performing well so I would absolutely target him probably first out of that whole group but I, I can't really go wrong with any of them I mean we saw what DJ Chark did and overall how he's kind of looking like a number one receiver in Jacksonville obviously Aguilar still have the drop and fumbling issues but he's still putting up fantasy points he's still you know a primary part of that offense and especially with those other guys out like you mentioned even when when, you know at least one of them comes back he's still going to have a big role and they with the way their secondary is playing and their defense struggling right now i think the another team that's going to be throwing the ball a lot is the eagles so he fits right in there so overall with all these uh, yeah it's uh, with you know maybe James Washington's we thought he was going to be the number two receiver if you Mm -hmm. have him you could take uh, drop him and pick up Johnson because it certainly looks like he's filling in that role um for the Steelers but I I still don't know how how much trust I have in Mason Rudolph it's just one game but the 49ers defense does look improved and so those things go his way but overall uh yeah, out of that group, he's the one probably I probably have the least confidence in. But overall, just looking over the receivers, there's a lot of uh, talented guys that are owned in less than 50% of leagues. So yep. tons, of, tons of great options. And even if you don't get one, just you know have kind of that backup uh, waiver wire selection. You know, mm-hmm. If you're going to drop one guy, maybe have two or three options just in case other people ahead of you in the waiver wire get the other guys first.
0: Yeah, and someone pointed out too, and it's always something that's great to remember in waiver wire situations, sometimes it's about the guys that other people drop versus the guys that, that pick <laughs> yep, up because you, you really never know who's going to get dropped. So in certain cases, you're almost better waiting Uh, to see kind of what the leftovers are because some of these guys are still going to be out there and so it's almost like you sort of wait and see who maybe gets dropped and compare them uh, to some of these guys we have on our our radar here when we look at the waiver wire each week so there you go that wraps up uh, some of the best waiver wire pickups as always say that article will be up uh, tuesday morning on clutchpoints.com some may change depending on what we know about injuries and all that before the article goes up you may have some new additions you may have some of these guys that move off the list Uh, but that's a pretty good uh, nucleus to start with there as we do that uh, but that will wrap up this episode of the podcast and uh dylan we'll be back next time with our takeaways from week three and or excuse me our our takeaways uh, our picks for week four sorry i'm on the wrong one here i'm all just excited because i've got the waiver wire and i'm feeling good fantasy wise (laughs) and uh saquon barkley's injured and i just don't know what to do uh but yes we we look ahead to uh our picks for week four i'm really looking ahead at the schedule there's some there's some good games on this schedule and uh there's some that could be a lot of fun to watch for sure. Um, so we'll talk about that in our next episode. Give you all our picks for that. Uh, look ahead to those games. But uh, for now, Dylan, let everybody know where they can find uh, all of our stuff here uh, here on Clutch Points.
1: Yeah, with the established the Past podcast, you know, any of your usual podcast outlets, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, you can find us. Um, easy Google search away as well. But for all of our NFL content, yeah, ClutchPoints.com with the NFL tab, all of our the content's there for the NFL. Tons of uh, preview stuff we'll be getting going obviously this week. And with the waiver wire pickups, definitely a must uh, read tomorrow morning. Um, going into, after that, you know, you can search Fantasy Football for all of our fantasy content. Did a lot more breakdowns of specific teams and, like, been writing these uh, stock uh, kind of updates you know I've got on certain teams like how guys fantasy stocks have increased decreased. so those are great options especially for if you're you know having a intriguing matchup like you want to pick up someone facing the Dolphins or another weak team that's a great way to do it Uh, all of our if you want to follow any games download the Clutch Points app and the NFL section there especially for tonight Uh, you might want to have something to distract you from the actual game on the field itself so definitely (laughs) a lot of different things we have coming for the NFL Uh, hopefully tonight's a decent game though
0: yeah we'll see Uh, bears and the, the redskins you don't expect much and uh yeah we may eventually start doing some some fantasy rankings as well we're working on that uh, may have our weekly rankings up uh so you can just look at those straight from the website and we'll give you rankings for a position uh, i'm working on that may get that uh, in the works here down the line so uh, another great resource for you guys fantasy wise uh, during the season but that'll wrap it up be sure you subscribe to the podcast check out all the great stuff we have going on Over at ClutchPoints.com, and yeah, we'll be back next time with another great episode of the Establish the Past podcast.